Hey, what's going on? Welcome to the Raptors Reasonless Podcast. I'm your host, Blake Murphy. Joining me on the line, Eric Kareen, back from San Antonio and Milwaukee. Eric, how you doing, buddy? I'm doing all right. Uh, when I got off the uh, the Up Express to complete my uh, trip last night, just after the Raptors had uh, defeated the Indiana Pacers, I-, I went out to get an Uber, like at the designated Uber spot near the Up, uh, but I was looking at my phone, and then... I stumbled because there was this half step that I didn't see and uh, did something to my ankle. So that's a good way to end the trip, you know? At least I don't have to travel in the next little bit. So I'll uh, I'll be okay for all the people hoping and praying for me. I appreciate your uh, thoughts and prayers, hashtag. Eric Green, questionable for Tuesday's game against the Hawks with uh, with the lightest of ankle sprains. <laughs> <laughs> that makes that puts both of us puts both of us on the shelf with the uh, the persistent back thing I'm dealing with. Yeah. As I joked on Twitter, there's something about sub six foot Toronto men with big butts and back soreness <laughs> this year. Uh, we are old. We are old. Yes, you know who's not hurt anymore, or is at least not hurt enough to be back playing basketball. Kyle Lowry. Yeah. Good at basketball. That was good, Kyle. Yeah, yeah. Kyle Lowry uh, missed nine of the last ten games. He returns Sunday night to play against the Indiana Pacers, uh, obviously because Kawhi Leonard was sitting out, and Kyle Lowry is only going to play in games that Kawhi Leonard doesn't play in. Um, it, it, this has been all. We'll talk more about the the Lowry Leonard thing after. It's been almost a month now since they played together. Uh, the Raptors mostly hung in tough with Lowry out. I think they they were. Eight, they were 9-8 and eight over the last 17, not all of which Lowry missed uh, coming in. But they've been shaky a little bit, fell to kind of middle of the pack on offense and defense during that stretch. Uh, some of it, the schedule, some of it, midseason malaise, but a lot of it missing Lowry and Jonas Valanciunas. Getting Lowry back is a huge deal for this team. Already on Sunday against the Indiana Pacers, he had kind of one of those typical KLO games where even though he only scored 12 points with 8 assists, he made an outsized impact on, on a couple key stretches uh, of the game, one being in the first quarter, one being in the third quarter, uh, when the Pacers tried to, to make the run and take control of the game back. After the game, it, it was kind of funny to hear a bunch of the Raptors get asked, you know, what does Lowry bring other than the numbers? And no one be able to describe it, which, as I pointed out in my in my piece from last night, uh, that's because intangibles are intangible. If they were more tangible to where we could accurately describe and appreciate them, they would not be intangibles. And you'd be able to track them a bit better, probably. Yes. Yes. And really, the only way we were able to track what Lowry's impact is, is when we have this enormous sample. And for six years, it's like, oh, yeah, in terms of impacting winning, he's like an all-NBA level player. Uh, Anyway, Schrodinger's intangible. Once once you can tangibilize it, it's no longer an intangible. Um, Anyway, Kyle Lowry's back. (laughs) We're just going to not comment on that? Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> uh, look, we use the verb reasonableize all the time. I feel like I can say tangibleize. We have a we have a certain leeway with uh, the English language that that we've most we've most definitely earned through our hard work and commitment to the craft. Yes. Uh, so Kyle Lowry returns. The Toronto Raptors complete a pretty impressive back to back over Saturday Sunday. Saturday they were in Milwaukee. You were there. Uh, they beat the Bucks without Kyle Lowry and Jonas Valanciunas. Sunday, they're at home against a rested Pacers team. 
Uh, they beat the Pacers without Kawhi Leonard and Jonas Valanciunas. Those two teams entering those games were combined 22-3 and over their last 25. Uh, so the Raptors pulling out both of these wins, missing an all-star in each and missing a, a key rotation piece in each. Uh, that's a pretty good back-to-back and a pretty nice bounce back from, from Thursday's dud in San Antonio. First of all, uh, I'd like to point out that I once again picked the week correctly uh, by game, which I, I feel like the degree of difficulty was higher this week. So I'm going to give myself a pat on the back for that because uh, this is about me. And as I tweeted last night, I think like the only thing we conclude about the season is that the season is too long to come to any conclusions. Uh, them responding to that San Antonio loss, and not only the San Antonio loss, but I think the reason the San Antonio loss was so concerning is because it took a lot of the things that had been problematic over the last month, you know, more or less coinciding with Lowry's absence, and sort of blew them up to the nth degree. You know, the ball movement was terrible. The, you know, the attention to detail and defense on defense was terrible. The bench was... Uh, invisible and so that's that's sort of why the Spurs lost if it was just a one-off then you say oh you know the Spurs had more to play for they were pissed off the fat it was a hot gym etc etc it's going to happen over 82 but it was just the confirmation of what we had seen before again taken to an extreme and for them to come back and not only beat two good teams, but have, I believe, 28 and 30 assists on, on consecutive nights, uh, do it uh, in each case without one of their all-stars, uh, and just start hitting three-pointers, which obviously has something to do with the assists, but at least from a eye test, regardless of if those shots went in, like the ball seemed to be moving pretty, pretty well. Uh, it's just sort of amazing that the Raptors can go from one level to that other level so quickly. I mean, their day off and fr- on Friday must have been transformative, you know? Yeah, yeah, it's it's pretty funny to, to look at. And, and plus, too, um, on Saturday, the game was entirely dominated by the starters, and on Sunday, it was this huge lift from the bench, and Nick Nurse credited some of that to, you know, DeLon Wright speaking up and kind of demanding the bench play a little better. Uh, nice responses all around. Uh, before we get too deep into Saturday, Sunday, were you? What was your level of concern coming out of Thursday's game? Because I, f- I feel like both of us were more frustrated with their play than the two of us normally get. Yeah. Um, again, I think that speaks to how they had been playing beforehand, and the loss. You figure they'd been they'd been um, sort of referring to the Spurs game as a light playoff preview and the extent that the gym was going to be one of the, you know, the loudest that they play in all year, one of the most antagonistic. Uh, there was some, you know, knowledge about what the other team tries to do just by virtue of the highest usage player on both teams having played for the other team in, in the recent history. And, and, and the Raptors were just so flat and, and more than flat like I, I think flat actually isn't the right word just unfocused and uh when they got down they didn't really have any composure and, and really show any knowledge about how to get back into a game like that uh it really it really put things in perspective because now this was a team that hadn't been playing well for three weeks that had scraped some uh 
some wins out. The first one against Indiana. I know there was one more in there, the Miami one as well. Uh, just through some pretty spectacular individual play uh, from Siakam and Leonard in, in different cases. Uh, and, and even the Utah win, which I didn't see a whole lot of, uh, but that, you know, was again, came down to Kawhi Leonard just being freaking spectacular. Uh, he was so awesome. you, hadn't, you, you hadn't seen that sort of team victory, that, that sort of seven to eight to nine man push, uh, against a good team in a really, really long time. Even some of their wins over the, the Bulls and the Cavaliers left something to be, uh, desired. So my, my concern with that, definitely the high for the season. Yeah, I would agree with that. And, and it was mostly, I mean, it wasn't like the concern was higher, but I was mostly at that point, just frustrated that the things that I had written about like four or five times in a row, it felt like, and it wasn't in a row because they'd had some good games and, and different games sprinkled in. And I won't write the same thing four or five times in a row, but it felt, I felt like a little bit of a broken record being like, yeah, these are the issues. They need figuring out, and it's funny because I, after the Spurs game, uh, you know, it was nice that you could write about Kawhi and Demar and their, you know, and the situation just to get you a bit. And when I say you, I mean me, but you probably felt this to the degree that you did. Um, it was nice to get out of the sort of the. the trying to diagnose the Raptors and, and say what's going on and talk about the situation a bit more. But after the Spurs game and then for my halfway column, it, it was sort of like very similar. <laughs> like I, there wasn't much to expand upon. I think I took different approaches and we don't need to get into that, but the issues were the issues as you say. And I was getting ready to write sort of <laughs> that column in a third different way. <laughs> after the Milwaukee game. I really did not expect that game to go how it did. And then, I mean, obviously, that's one of their most impressive performances of the year. And the starters, uh, one through five, were all, you know, A to A-plus in their role. And I just did not see that coming. Again, you know, it, it sort of flew in the face of everything, or almost everything we'd seen uh, before that. The Raptors are just unbeatable in back-to-backs is what I think this comes down to. And they need to petition the league for playoff back-to-backs. Yes. Seven and one. They're seven and one in the first half of back-to-backs. And they are, uh, they're less impressive in the first half of back-to-backs. Maybe that's the issue. It's the first half. They, they psych themselves out. They've read too much of the sports science. They psych themselves out on the first night of a back-to-back. Uh, they're six and two in the first night of back-to-backs too. That's crazy. They're thirteen and three in total back-to-back situations. Six, six and two on first night, seven and one on the second night. Yes, that's good. That's crazy. Uh, yeah. I mean, I don't understand that, and it's not like they've been a bunch of cream puff games. I think the no, like the Clippers and Warriors were back-to-back. Yeah, yeah. yeah the second half of the uh, back-to-back from here on out, I think, get a bit easier. Yeah, there, there are four. There are four remaining back-to-backs, and they they each have at least one opponent where I'd be like, so so this was kind of the back-to-back for me, where it's like if Leonard doesn't play in this one, I mean, what's the point from here? It's like it, like he doesn't have to clear this artificial hurdle because there are no back-to-backs in the playoffs. Uh, the one they have coming up is Phoenix on the second night of a back-to-back. 
uh, which, you know, you, you probably don't need to push Kawhi against the Phoenix Suns. Uh, just just my take. Uh, I guess the, the one after that is Sacramento and Indiana. So those are some tougher games. But then you get down the stretch and it's Miami, Cleveland. And then the last one is Detroit and the Knicks. Like you really, and then you're into the last month of the season. Um, I think we've, we've hit a point where Kawhi just might not even play in any back-to-backs. It's really not a big deal. Yeah. Um, who cares? Like at this point, you know, you mentioned the Sacra- Sacramento, Indiana one, but again, like trying to predict and, and see how these games will go on a night to night basis seem like a fool's errand, which is part of this podcast, uh, every week. So let's just call this podcast a fool's errand. Um, but you know, the games play out so differently than we imagine. And, and you know, this, not you, you predict everyone correctly. That doesn't mean I'm not a fool. That's true. Um, You're just doing your uh, errands well. (laughs) Uh, but the Milwaukee Indian is a perfect example. Like if there were any back to back that you needed, uh, 70 plus minutes of Kawhi Leonard, it was going to be this one, and you got 38-01, and you go 2-0, and, and yeah. I don't know. Having <laughs> having two all-NBA or near-all-NBA level talents is uh, is really nice, even if they never play together. The Raptors are now at 42 total games, and Kyle Lowry and Kawhi Leonard have played together in exactly half of them. Yeah. That's that's not a lot. Anyway, so let's 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 look at the halfway snapshot because we're 42 games in, um, so we're just past the halfway mark, and we're right we're we're actually on still the the first side in terms of days of the season because the second half of the schedule gets a little less compressed as we've discussed. But the Raptors are number six in offense, number eight in defense, uh, number one in record, and again they've done this missing 21 games combined for Lowry and Leonard, missing Jonas Valanciunas for 12 of those games. Uh, nobody on the team has not missed the game yet. Uh, it's, uh, you know, I, I'm not going to say that they've been crazy impressive because I think sixth and eighth in offensive defense respectively are lower than where they expect to be by the end of the year. Uh, and every team deals with injuries. Even though the Raptors are third in win shares lost to injury, they're kind of middle of the pack for man games lost to injury, uh, as I wrote about the other week. So, um you know, they're not in a, I definitely think they've done well given their circumstances and given the quality of the players they've been missing at times. Uh, but I still think probably even with a 30 and 12 record, this team would tell you they are not where they want or need to be um, on both ends of the floor right now. Would you think that's accurate? Yeah, you can't look like just because they've had two of their best wins of the year uh, on back to back nights doesn't mean you can erase what happened in the previous three weeks. I mean, there are there are major concerns that this team's inconsistencies uh, could creep back at any time when there's some adversity or if they get a little unfocused and you'd like to think that won't happen in the playoffs, but you know, that's when the opponents are better and they can perhaps push you into uh, certain aspects and certain, uh, certain situations that make you lean on those core tendencies a bit more. I, I think the bench has sort of chipped away at how versatile this team wanted to be. You spoke, uh, Nick Nurse spoke at the beginning of the year about wanting to sort of mix and match and not have there be a, a huge difference uh, on, in terms of style of play based on who was on the floor. And I think, you know, just the second unit being so offensively uh, problematic has really kept them from doing that. I mean, they've had to, 
they've had to lean on their starters in a way that they certainly didn't expect to. Uh, it seems like Norm Powell's return, you know, not going to shoot 10 for 12 or whatever he shot against the Pacers, but his return and, and his play upon his return, you know, you hope that can translate into a more consistent second unit and maybe some more meshing of the first and second units. Uh, as we go into the second half, Lowry too, we all know how good Kyle Lowry has been with bench units over over the years. and there's no Including last night. Yeah, and there's no real reason to think that shouldn't happen uh, this year, uh, you know, especially if he's in some lineups with Van Vliet and DeLon Wright, or, uh, you know, if you take him and Danny Graham and mesh, and mesh him with three reserves, uh, and if Valanchunas comes back all of a sudden, you're looking at a pretty ideal Kyle Lowry lineup. <laughs> um, so I, I just don't think, you know, I, I'm probably repeating myself, but especially defensively, you expect to be higher than they are. Uh, we, I think we both thought that would be their biggest upside this year yeah. was defensively. You'd see lineups with, uh, you know, OG and Kawhi, Kawhi and Siakam, all three of them in certain cases, and they'd just be so flexible. And there are days where their perimeter defense seems pretty ordinary. So uh, uh, I think they're still waiting to hit that next level on, uh, on that end. Yeah, and you've seen you've seen glimpses of it with certain lineups. Um, the the lineup they started on Sunday, which is the the tip the now typical starters with Van Vliet in Leonard's place. Uh, over eighty six minutes, they have a defensive rating of ninety six point three. Uh, the nominal starters with Lowry and Leonard, but with Valanciunas in Ibaka's place, ninety seven point six defensive rating over one hundred forty minutes. Uh, they have a couple other you know moderate usage lineups that that have a defensive rating under one hundred. But one of the byproducts of all of these injuries is that they don't have many lineups with large, large samples. Um, their four most commonly used ones, all with very, very strong net ratings of 14.4 or higher. But after that, you get into some mishmash where, you know, there's a lot of lineups they've tried for a couple games or they've tried here and there, and those ones haven't been um, super successful, which you'd expect from a chemistry standpoint and given the bench's struggles, um, that all bench group as it was constructed at one point, a minus 6.3 net rating. Uh, but it would be interesting as the team rounds into something more closely resembling health. Uh, full health is maybe not something that they can expect. They've had it for all of one game this year, and it's just not a realistic thing in the NBA, I don't think. Uh, but as they get closer to it, uh, you know, getting a larger sample with some of these lineups with different rotation patterns, uh, I think will be helpful. And I think that's going to be probably a focus of Nick Nurse for the second half of the season. Entering the year was a lot about, well, yeah, let's experiment and let's see how we can be, um, the different ways in which we can be good. And now the first half has kind of forced them into a different style of experimentation where they've they've been able to dictate the experiments that they're running less outside of, you know, the occasional zone defense or zone press or whatever. Um, so now they're facing a second half where instead of continuing to toy, they kind of need to see, you know, they kind of need to at least confirm that what they thought would work on paper will work well. And that might seem um, silly, but you still want to get Lowry and Leonard reps together. And you want to see how your two different potential starting lineups look. Uh, they have precious few clutch minutes. Uh, I think they played 74 crunch time minutes as a team, as NBA defines it. Kawhi Leonard is the only player who's been in those minutes uh, consistent, consistently. Lowry's missed a bunch. Um, Danny Green didn't close some of those games. Fred Van Vliet missed a bunch of that. So um, there are still some of these things to figure out, like starting lineups and rotation patterns and closing lineups, uh, that once guys are closer to health and they have you know, maybe they're only missing one rotation piece instead of two. Nurse has a lot he can he can kind of figure out from here. And I would assume he's looking forward to that. 
Yeah, I think, and the nice thing is, despite the minutes, uh, the relatively few minutes, the starting lineups were established as uh, both strong earlier in the year. That doesn't m- mean you don't want to spend, spend plenty of time reestablishing those things and, and getting the chemistry and the familiarity uh, back uh, with those groups. But I think you can be fairly confident that they're going to be uh, productive NBA lineups. Uh, but definitely the clutch time. I mean, uh, you think about the players who could be in in those groups, and I think you go with the starters, uh, the normal starters, and then you'd probably the only three you'd really expect to see uh, would be. Jonas Valanciunas, Fred Van Vliet, and uh, maybe OG Ananobi in certain situations. If he turns it around, um, anyway, he's been. Yeah, I still that, am, that, that'll be that'll be a focus. Yeah, too, I, like yeah. I remain high on Ananobi, but he's been wildly inconsistent this year. Yeah, yeah, I mean that's been part of the problem with the bench. Uh, both he and Delon Wright have not had good seasons based on the expectations that we had for them. And, uh, you know, when I, I wouldn't say OG Ananobi is a primary creator in that unit, but he certainly uh, is a key piece. And they hope that he'd show a bit more uh, dynam- uh, dyn- dynamism. dynamism. Dynamism? Yeah, whatever. Um, as a scorer, at least, and that hasn't uh, developed. I, I thought he's, you know, the Milwaukee. In San Antonio games, notwithstanding, he's he's shown a little bit of sort of his versatility lately, and I have you know my defensive uh, hopes for him remain sort of where they were before the season, uh, despite not being quite at that level. But certainly, you're not thinking that he's going to be that offensive option uh, this season, at least. Uh, but yeah, I mean, there there still is some mixing and matching to do, but you know, knock on wood, hopefully Nurse will be more of a, he'll have more of control over the situations <laughs> rather than be at the uh, the uh, whims of the injury god. All right, if we wanted to hyper-focus on one specific thing that stood out, I think, I think what readers or listeners uh, would probably point to is the three-point shooting. And, and Nick Nurse mentioned pregame on Sunday that you know, he looks down at the numbers and sometimes it feels like they're worse than they are. Um, and, and he joked that it's it's our fault. Uh, look, I, Nick Nurse, if you're listening, I have tried very much, uh, almost too much, to downplay the early season shooting slump and point to larger samples. And the stabilization point for team three-point shooting, which doesn't come until about the 65-game mark. Uh, however, as the shooting struggle, not struggles because the Raptors are 23rd in the league in three-point percentage, which is not horrible. They're shooting 34.5% on threes, which is certainly enough to justify the amount of threes that they take, uh, given what we know about things like math. Um, and for it's like math. Yeah. Uh, and for whatever reason, <laughs> name opponents are... Like, name, a, name a thing like math that isn't math. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, <laughs> come on. Um... Anyway, so the Raptors are shooting 34.5% on three-pointers. They are, they're 10th in the NBA in the volume of their shots that they take from the three-point line. Um, they're 23rd in three-point percentage. That's, you know, that's probably, it's not probably, it's definitely something the team would like to see 
creep higher. Um, Nurse pointed to the fact that Danny Green's still a 40% three-point shooter, that Kawhi has settled back in around 36%, um, that, Kyle, that Pascal Siakam has developed in that way maybe faster than anticipated, and then you have a guy like Kyle Lowry shooting 32%, that's almost definitely going to come back up. Uh, I think the obvious solution here is to play Chris Boucher a ton because he has the quickest trigger in the history of the NBA and is 8 of 16 on threes. And he's taken that many threes in just 52 NBA minutes, which is awesome to me. Um, did you see his shrug after the three last night? Uh, that For some reason, that's been in all of the highlight packages, that three-pointer um, in garbage time. Uh, so, yes, I have. It's great. Uh, I think one of the reasons it made it in is because the bench loves it when Chris Boucher comes in and just like without thinking starts getting threes up. Uh, I asked him about it after and told them that the gift was getting passed around and stuff. And he was basically like, he said, I need it. Uh, it's automatic now. Now, Chris Boucher is shooting 33, 34% on threes in the G League. So I'd hardly call it automatic, but I find it very entertaining that the Raptors' victory cigar or white flag are both now just Boucher coming in and getting up a quick three. It's very amusing to me. Yeah, uh, he's fun, and I'm sorry he hasn't gotten more minutes for you to uh, write about. That's all right. Uh, it's uh, yeah, it's a little frustrating because like I've seen enough in the G League to know what he is at that level, and I, it would be good to see him. You know, I thought last night even he might get more run because um, while Sabonis had bullied him in the post in the previous meeting, I thought he had a nice response in that game as the game went along and he ended up blocking three shots in that game. Um, I would have liked to see how he had progressed and maybe would do better in that matchup. Uh, but obviously against a team as good as Indiana, you know, maybe you don't want to risk it. And Greg Monroe had a, had a better night than you'd expect because Kyle O'Quinn was the big coming off the bench for Indiana with Miles Turner. Up, so I think that was important. And uh, as well, they didn't use Monroe in the second half of the Bucks game, and you probably don't want to, you know, go away from him two games in a row. It's, uh, I mean, he's not a risk to start mouthing off or complaining about his role, but if there's a fit, you don't necessarily want to go away from him. Yeah, and uh, he, he, hasn't all, been, uh, he hasn't been... Whoop. Sorry, continue. Uh, no, that's all, that's all I was saying. But uh, to talk about the three-pointers a bit more, uh, like... The difference between 24th, which is Utah, and they're tied with uh, the Raptors at 34.5%, and 11th, Miami, is 0.9%, uh, which, you know, uh, over time, that makes a difference. But, you know, if the Raptors are hitting one more three per 100, then all of a sudden they're, you know, on the verge of being a top 10 three-point team in the league. So to Nick Nurse's point, yeah, sometimes it does you know, the numbers do look, uh, do look bad. And, you know, there have certainly been the bad shooting nights, uh, in those three weeks, but on the whole, uh, I think there's still plenty of reason for them to keep getting them up. And, uh, but it was a week full of the Raptors, uh, of key Raptors figures blaming the media for things that weren't their fault. So it's fun. Yeah. Yeah. That's, uh, Let's leave that one alone. But yeah, to your point about how how narrow these margins are, like if the Raptors, I just punch a number in, if one more three per game had dropped, the Raptors would be fifth in the NBA in three-point shooting percentage. So it's not... Yeah, which is, that's just how close the league is. Yeah, and except for the again, Spurs for over, over, reason, shooting 40% on threes. <laughs> 
Yeah, it's because they never shoot them. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, you know, they know where their shots are. And they are uh, just inside the three-point line. Yeah, and honestly, Pop deserves consideration again for Coach of the Year. But uh, we'll get there when we get there. Yes. Okay. So let's look. Uh, let's look ahead a little bit. Uh, the Raptors, while we've been recording this, released their injury report for Tuesday's game. For the first time in nearly a month, Kyle Lowry and Kawhi Leonard are both absent from it. It's only Jonas Valanciunas out. That means that Tuesday could be uh, the first time since December 9th Leonard and Lowry play together in a game. They then have two days off, which has been uh, an enormous rarity in the season so far. And then they play Brooklyn on Friday, and then Washington on Sunday in a in a matinee in DC. Um, I guess we'll we'll cut the week off there because then I don't know what next week will look like in terms of recording because I'm off to Boston. Uh, but Atlanta no. at home against Atlanta at home against a very fun Brooklyn Nets team, and then on the road against the Wizards. And I have all my Tanahashi memes ready for that one because it's going to be delicious, and the Wizards are delicious right now. Uh, Eric, what do you think for the for the week ahead? Oh, everybody eats, my man. Uh, you've got uh, you've got two potential playoff first round playoff previews with the Nets and the Wizards, I guess. Although, wouldn't be surprising to see the Wizards sort of go into. Yeah, we're not really going to try them out, but they did win in Oklahoma City on Sunday night. Nonetheless, it's pretty hard to look at the schedule and assume full health and not say that the Raptors will go three and zero. But then again, after the Spurs loss, it didn't seem like they were about to go 2-0 in one of the hardest back-to-backs uh, you could have in the Eastern Conference, at least. So I don't know. But 3-0, that's my guess. 3-0. All right. The Raptors get back on with a, with another five-game winning streak, which would be their third of the year. Um, that's That'd be nice. It'd be nice to go into Boston with a little bit of momentum. They have two days off before the Boston game as well, uh, after the Washington game. So that's... Yeah. Uh, no, but they're good. We all know they're going to lose that game uh, in a close game down the stretch in which there are some frustrating crunch time decisions. Uh, so let's just mentally prepare for that. Or they'll, they'll win that game and then drop an awful one to Phoenix the next night. One of those two things <laughs> is definitely on the table. Phoenix at home after Boston. Jesus. Uh, schedule's weird. Yeah, it is. On a Thursday. It is Yeah, strange. I guess there have, there have been more Thursday games non-TNT games this year just because it's more, the schedule is more spread out. And yes, it's, it really mucked up my, my basketball plans for January to April. I'm not even playing. I just told I told my team I'm going to miss four games no matter what night of the week we put it on for the January to April segment, so mm. count me out. You guys might actually be able to beat us now. Uh, I haven't even seen my uh, an email come in from uh, for the schedule. So you should maybe, check that because uh, I think it starts this week. Well, I should check that. Anyway, yeah, we'll see. Maybe, maybe you guys can get maybe that maybe, get that victory over us now. If we're not playing, maybe I'll just replace you. You'll replace me? As, yeah, on your team. Sure, for, uh, but, but we'd miss all the same games, so it doesn't it doesn't yeah. help them with like roster stability anymore. We can't do a Lowry Leonard thing where one of us plays each game. We'd be missing the same <laughs> games. Well, technically, we work for the same company, so. We could if we uh, if we wanted to start missing games. Yes, but we value our subscribers too much. Yeah, and uh, getting paid is nice, and doing your doing your and feel like you have earned that paycheck is also nice. 
Although I wouldn't know anything about that because I never feel like I've heard anything. <laughs> okay. All right. Um, so <laughs> I feel my point is I feel crappy about myself all the time. Yes. Well, who, that, who among us? You know, that, that is that is the, both of our brands, and yeah. that was what I'm saying. Not that I don't work reasonably hard because I do work reasonably hard. Okay, so we have uh, over the next month we have some key dates coming up. Today is January seventh. It is exactly one month from the NBA trade deadline. It is also uh, the day that non-guaranteed and partial guaranteed contracts become guaranteed for the rest of the year, which is something I wrote about. Here comes a Blake. What's that? Here comes a Blake Murphy. Philip. I, I yes. sense a Blake Murphy filibuster coming on about. Yeah, this. I'm just going to sit back and relax. <laughs> um, no, I was just going to say, read my piece uh, at the Athletic today about the Lorenzo Brown situation and the trickle down it could have from there. Uh, but there are a couple other key. Uh, roster change dates coming up as well. So um, January 5th is when 10-day contracts could begin getting handed out. That doesn't seem particularly relevant to the Raptors unless they waive Brown and they don't want to commit to anyone until after the trade deadline uh, when the buyout market kind of materializes. Uh, today is the day by 5 p.m. that non-guaranteed and partially guaranteed contracts have to be waived uh, lest they become guaranteed for the remainder of the season so that you've already started to see uh, Pat McCaw and James Nunnally and uh, Michael Carter-Williams, those those kind of fringe guys, uh, get waived, not because they're maybe not NBA players, but because that flexibility is important to teams ahead of the deadline and buyout market and playoff rosters. Uh, January 15th is the deadline to sign players to two-way contracts, which doesn't affect the Raptors necessarily because Lloyd and Boucher have been two of the best players in the entire G League. But in the event that they, say, waive Lorenzo Brown and wanted to convert Chris Boucher to an NBA contract uh, for center depth because his NBA, his NBA days are, are starting uh, to get a little scarce here, um, then they could sign someone else into that two-way slot. I think if they were to waive Brown, they'd probably go with another point guard there. Um, but that's, you know, we're kind of talking uh, a big if there. Uh, other key deadlines, uh, January 29th is when Kenny Omega's contract with New Japan Pro Wrestling technically runs out. Uh, it sounded, you know, there were reports yesterday based on comments from Kenny Omega that he is leaving New Japan Pro Wrestling. Uh, whether that would mean he's joining the WWE or All Elite Wrestling that the Young Bucks and Cody Rhodes and company are putting together is unclear. Uh, but a word of warning. That Kenny Omega has done this before. He's said uh, he's basically maintained kayfabe and said he was taking a break after a big loss. Uh, and there are context clues that suggest maybe this is a work and it's a continuation of his storyline with the ace Hiroshi Tanahashi, um, which you know would be great because Kenny Omega kind of is New Japan Pro Wrestling as far as their global expansion uh, and the North American viewers uh, would see it. Uh, also, we have January twenty seventh, which is of course the Royal Rumble. Which, uh, if you're looking at guys who might be debuting in WWE, uh, that's that's an important date. I don't think a guy like Kushida, who's leaving New Japan Pro Wrestling, will appear in the Royal Rumble. Uh, but we might get some surprises. And Eric, you and I might uh, might do something for the Royal Rumble. That's a that's a road game against the Dallas Mavericks at the same time. But we have what I think is a, is a fun idea. There is a, there is an opportunity for some uh, January chicanery. Uh, so we'll see. Well, let's just tease it. Just a soft tease. Yeah, just a soft tease. It's the Dallas, more, you know. More to, co- more, to come, more to come in the coming weeks unless we decide there is. We'll, we'll just leave the un- – look, uncertainty is the theme of the Royal Rumble. You never know what kind of, who might show up, uh, who's going to debut, what kind of content you might get. Who knows? Yeah. Who knows? Uh, thank, thank goodness that's a road game, so we can just get weird if I 
Well, I'm going to get weird regardless. I'm neither. Yeah, neither of us will be there uh, on that trip. Yeah, it's Dallas. Uh, it's a, although I guess that's a three gamer. But yeah, yeah Indiana, Houston, uh, Dallas. Yeah, it's more interesting now than it seemed like it would be in uh, in like November. But yeah, the Mavs are good. The Pacers are good. The Rockets are good. Luka Doncic is a ton of fun. I've never been to Texas. Yeah. Oh, I've I've been all over Texas. Texas so. forever. Uh, yeah, seven. Do you want to talk about your Cowboys? Seven. Uh, wait, what number did Saracen wear? Seven. seven or nine? Oh, wait, or Jason Street was seven. No, I think this is going to bother me. Uh, yeah, this is very important. Pause the podcast. Yeah. Uh, yeah, uh, Saracen oh, wore no, seven. Yes, Jason Street will okay, remember. That six. makes sense. Um, yeah, I mean, it figures that we couldn't remember it because uh, he was only in his jersey for not one game, and, and then I think he wore it a few other times. And as one does when they're wheelchairing around. Yeah, to be the town mascot. Um, think about yourself, Dylan, Texas. This is what you're turning your youth, your kids into. Yeah. Uh, the Cowboys are not good, uh, and they are among the last eight teams playing, and it's pretty remarkable. And thank you to the Seattle Seahawks for employing a completely counterintuitive strategy uh, that played right into the Raptors' hands. The Raptors' hands. And uh, no, well, uh, the Cowboys' hands. But I don't know. I'm sure there are some Cowboys fans on the Raptors. There always are Cowboys fans in the lot. I think C.J. Miles is a Cowboys fan. I won't hold um, that against him. Big day for, big day for uh, Kyle Lowry. Yes, he, he knew after the game already. He, he was aware of, uh, of the, the Eagles coming out with that victory. Fly, fly anyway, fly. nothing about the Cowboys. Yeah. Nothing matters about the Cowboys because the Eagles are clearly winning the Super Bowl again. The Eagles are clearly winning the Super Bowl again? Yeah, no, like if they win that game, they're like Nick Foles is magic and they're going to win the Super Bowl. Like it's not that complicated. It's just, you know, it has nothing to do with actual roster talent or what happened in the regular season at this point. And it's just magic. Okay. I'll take your word for it. You, you watch a lot more football than I do. And by that, I mean you watch any amount of football. Yeah. Uh, the end of that game was pretty spectacular. Uh, was that the double doink? My dad was that, or like, was that a different game? Yeah. No, double doink, yeah. My dad is a quasi-Bears fan, so tough loss. Uh, in addition to, I'm sure, the number of dampling situations it caused, which I really don't care about. Oh, was that, did it swing the spread? Is that what people were freaking out about? No, it didn't swing the spread, but like if there were teasers or whatever. Gotcha. Uh, uh, anyway... We don't need to talk about football, and especially football gambling, uh, on this podcast. There are enough podcasts in which uh, you can find that sort of thing. I don't think we need to talk about much more at all. We're forty minutes in. I think we. I think we've covered most of the Raptors anyway, I, and New Japan Pro Wrestling news that we yeah. needed to. Yeah, and that's what this uh, podcast is about: the Raptors and New Japan Pro Wrestling. Yeah, in some order. Yes. Uh, Eric, ne- one year, next year, maybe I, I'm gonna. You're gonna come over for Wrestle Kingdom. Uh, I had six guys at my six people at my place for 
the 2 a.m. bell time for Wrestle Kingdom that lasted until like 7.30 in the morning last week. It was fun. That is messed up. Yeah, we did the old 4.30 a.m. Uber Eats McDonald's order. It, it's Japanese WrestleMania. Come on. <laughs> uh, I mean, yeah, like... I should I should take the judgment out of my comment because yeah. it's not while it isn't something I would do it's not unlike things I might do so uh, no judgment. what am I gonna do watch uh, Kota Ibushi I... and Will Ospreay on tape delay come on you guys see that happen live no yeah was it a good show it was yeah it was uh, it was different from so basically in the past they've run it a lot like WWE Wrestlemania where it's very long and it's paced out where there are lows um, because they don't want to exhaust you over you know six hours or whatever Uh, they kind of changed it this year where it was a tight four hours and it was just kind of bang 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 Uh, it probably didn't reach like the highs of the of like the best matches probably weren't as good as the best matches on the last couple of Wrestle Kingdoms uh, but like the worst match was still really good, and everything had the the pacing of the entire show made it a lot easier to stay up until like seven in the morning, seven thirty in the morning. So, all killer, no filler, basically. Yes. Um, but it it kept you from feeling from feeling the highs as high as you might have otherwise. Yeah, and I wasn't, uh, you know, there wasn't quite the one story that was as high investment as recent Wrestle Kingdom main yeah, events. The, so. previous, the previous year was. Uh, was Jericho and Omega in the right? co-main event? That yes, event? that was the that was the number two match, yeah. and then uh, Kazuchika Okada in the in the main event, and then the year before that was Omega and Okada. So, um, yeah, Jericho Jericho started a match though. He, he faced Tetsuya Naito, um, which was a lot of fun. Naito, Naito cool. took one of the worst table cool. bumps I've ever seen. Yeah. Hope everybody is. Uh... Okay. Yeah, Kota Ibushi uh, has a concussion, but otherwise, it sounds like everyone got out of there pretty, pretty okay. So that's nice. all right. They're they're almost as healthy as the Raptors. Just one guy left in the injury report. <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah. Okay. Do you have anything else? Okay. You want to, any other parting shots? We have no shows to talk about. Everything's been in a lull for the holidays for a couple weeks. Yeah. Um, what do we even watch? What do we even both watch? Anyway? I don't know. I watched you over the over the holidays on Netflix, and it was so so bad. It was awesome. What you? Why? Yes. You? So it's uh, same producers as Riverdale, what? starring one of the guys from Gossip Girl, oh. uh, and basically this guy is just Which the guy? worst stalker of all time. Pardon? Which gossip guy? Um, the guy who was also in Easy A, the Emma Stone movie. Oh, uh, I don't know his name. What's his face? Uh, Pen Badger. There you go. Oh man, I can't believe that is information in my. It's brain. uh the show is terrible, but it's terrible in like the kind of way where you watch it and you can't stop texting friends about it, and you're all laughing at how ridiculous it is, uh, and you can't stop watching. So it's kind of like Riverdale. Yes, but it's like it's not quite as I guess it's close to as extreme. It's just uh. Yeah, I, I won't. I can't say much more than that. It's it's it's, it's probably not as winkingly bad as Riverdale. Yeah, I don't know. it's uh, I don't even know if Riverdale. I haven't watched this season more than like two or three hours. I, I just can't tell if you knew it was bad or not. Uh, you uh, that was a confusing sentence. The show you yes it was bad or not? Yes, okay. I can't tell. Uh, yeah, no, I you well, Eric Green, I am confident would believe it's bad yes okay 
got it. Yeah. Okay. If, we had to talk about this if we had to talk about this on a weekly basis, it would be problematic. Yeah, there's a very, uh, you know, Abbott and Costello Pronouns. Here. Yes. Pronouns. All right, let's get out of here, man. All right. Thanks for listening, guys, and uh, enjoy this, what should be, and as we've talked about, what should be is not always what is, should be a calming and uh, settling week for the Raptors as they return to health and have some... Uh, you know, an easier schedule than last week, perhaps. He says, ahead of Vince Carter's 40-point game and an upset Hawks victory. Uh, guys, we will talk to you uh, around this time next week. Thanks for listening. See ya. It's too late to be a reasonable